Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Bob Mendelson, and this is the Bob's Your Uncle podcast. Usually we begin with Mendelssohn's Fourth Symphony, that's the Italian. But in honor of Russell Torrance, our guest today on episode 28, who is from Scotland, will play Mendelssohn's Scottish Symphony. Because of the volume of good information that our friend Russell Torrance from ABC Classic FM has to share in this second of the two-part episode, we decided to forego historical marker of the week, forego our sponsor getting a chance to advertise Amanda McGinnis at travelpartners.com.au. We won't be reading from the scripture. We're just going to have the second part, this wonderful interview with Russell Torrance. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this wonderful episode. You know, they're the two main things, but I just think Australia is such a wonderful place. It's provided me with a lot of opportunities as well. It's, um, It's somewhere where it is more egalitarian than the UK, I think. There's less of a, and you know, a fabric of cla- the class system than there is in the UK. I don't know whether I would have felt as comfortable um, back when I started this job if it had been in the UK, just with the extra fabric of me being this little boy from central Scotland. <laughs> Trying to make it on BBC Four. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> anyway, did you ever uh, imagine yourself maybe when you were there and Manchester or going back home, did you ever imagine playing tuba at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in a brass <laughs> band? I would like to one day. I mean, maybe. I mean, I'm from the Edinburgh area originally. Um, my friend plays in a fantastic group called Umpa Brass, hmm. who play um, kind of their brass quintet, but they play fantastic arrangements of popular tunes. And they, they've been at the Edinburgh Fringe a few times, and they're wildly popular. So that'd be fun to do something like that. It could be a place for you. I'll, <laughs> Maybe. I'll, I'll send them a note. Uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned the nippers and and that we're much more active here in Australia. Does recreation play any role in your enjoyment of life? It does. I mean, I don't do as much as I, I would like to, but I love going to the beach and I love, I love swimming at the beach. It's still such a novelty for me, even though I've been in this country for, gosh, 14 years. Um 15 years is still is still a novelty for me. I was I live in Adelaide now, but I was in Sydney a couple of weeks ago and went to Manly and went to Shelley Beach and had a swim in the water. And I'm thinking, this is this is winter. <laughs> and here we are doing this. I, it's great. And 
uh, you know, I um, I find myself doing things that I don't think I would have done in the UK. I would have, I wouldn't have, um, I've got a bike. I like taking that every now and again, even up the steep hills that we have near where I live in Adelaide. Um, uh, I used to, I, I used to do yoga quite a bit. I need to get back to that, but I, I used to do yoga quite a bit. And again, it strikes me as being something that I don't think I would, I would have done. My attitude would have been different, I think, if I'd been in the UK. I wouldn't have been as open to, to trying these things. Uh, uh, Russell, your station is the ABC Classic. Mm. Isn't that only for the historic, boring, elite, upper class of society? How Are you do talking you... about yourself? I am. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. Uh, how, how is it that you speak to the rest of us? Um, there is an image problem with classical music, particularly people looking in from outside. I mean, the average person, and maybe you and I would both agree with this, the average person would probably think of it as being a stuffy world of um, old white men who've died hundreds of years ago in wigs and a reverence around the music and that's Mozart and, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. And um, it's just not how I see it. It can be like that, and the core of what we play remains, um, you know, a Eurocentric heritage of music that has been passed down, and we have it this in this country because of the prevalence of European settlers who've come here, including ourselves. Well, you know, yeah. But I think it's something that's changing and developing. It really is. Um, what I hope we show on ABC Classic is that there's more to it than that, and. You know, you won't have to listen to our station for too long till you hear Brahms or Beethoven or Mozart or Mendelssohn, Bob. But you would um but there's plenty of other stuff too. There's there's lots of emerging composers um from around the world, but so many here in Australia, um so many great composers who are writing music for now and they're writing music. They, these are people who experience the same world that that we do. They go and do their shopping, they worry about energy bills they <laughs> they watch tv they they have social media accounts um and we can listen to their music the way that they interpret life through their music the human condition um people whose backgrounds aren't eurocentric i'm very very pleased to say are writing music in this tradition as well writing music that we play on abc classic um a lot of indigenous australian musicians are coming to the fore um you mentioned Edinburgh Fringe. William Barton's music's just been performed at Edinburgh Festival. He was over there himself. Um, looked through his social media. It's just terrific to see how much he enjoyed the experience and how much audiences there love his incredible genius as a didgeridoo player, but as, as a composer as well. Um, Brenda Gifford, Elizabeth Shepherd, there's a whole Ryan Clapham, there's a whole bunch of them. It's just terrific. Look, ha having said that, um, the music that Tchaikovsky and Beethoven and Bach and all these people wrote, I I would love to be able to say to them that, that we still appreciate it and we're listening to it and we're talking about it on Zoom in Australia. <laughs> um, I I think that music can outgrow the original intention of the composer it can, and it can mean so much. Um, and it's almost like they were writing it for, for us now. It's not something that belongs in the past. And music physically is something that only exists in the moment anyway. It, it only exists in one moment in time. 
so if you take that idea a step further, this this is music that ex- that is from now because it's being pu- listened to you, listened to by you right now, somebody in twenty twenty two, and you you're the most important part, the interpretation of these sounds and how they fit together and how they make sense in your head. The other thing is you, the term classical music is something that's problematic because Beethoven, Mozart, and all these people they didn't think of their music as being separate from a song that somebody would sing in the pub around the corner or a folk tune or something you dance to. They didn't see that definition. It's something that was invented in the late 19th century as a way of selling tickets to the wealthy middle class. Um, In classical music, even to this day, Jewish composers certainly make large footprints as well as Christian composers and conductors. Do you have any idea why that might be? Um. Well, I, t- I take it you, you're talking about composers who are from a Christian country or a Christian background who are from those countries that are predominantly those cases. I mean, the it just it, I think the, a lot of it's to do with the uh, the coincidence of the fact that the Christian church um, had a lot of music going on in it for the last thousand years, and I think I think that's the basis of it. Um, Islam, to my understanding, doesn't have the same musical mm. fabric going through. And if it if it did, if you were singing in mosques, I think things would be different. I think we might have more music from the Muslim world than we we do. Uh, there's more. There's lots of it emerging now at the moment. Because, uh, but but just traditionally that those countries that had churches. Um, had a lot of music happening inside the church, and eventually it came outside the walls of the church. The, the era of Dufay and people like that in the the 1400s, 1300s, 1400s was when composers were doing both. They're writing music for the church and being paid for that, and and taking that richness and applying it to the the, the folk music that was around them outside the walls of the church. Really, I mean, and these countries all also happened to be the countries that went on to colonize a lot of the of the world, and so that tradition that started out with the church um moved moved to these countries that that's the explanation i mean and then you get guys like bruch and mendelssohn and some pretty wide range of jewish composer bernstein uh, you don't get a, a 20th century violinist who's not named something like <laughs> yeah isaac stone you know <laughs> yes that's it um, well, again, I, I suppose that we, we're talking about Jewish composers who happened to end up in in Western countries and became part of that culture. I mean, generally, the the Jewish diaspora. I mean, you don't need me to tell you this, but it seems that it's uh, as a high achieving diaspora around the world, a bit like the East Asian diaspora is today. It's it's something that the Jewish, Jewish diaspora has brought so much to to the world. I mean, I'm, it's the same with Scots as well. We've we've brought a lot to the world bigger than the the numbers of us that actually exist um uh and it's it's wonderful i mean i i i don't have a particular view on jewish composers and how much jewishness there is in their music cuz uh, but you're jewish bob you, you you probably have a better understanding than i do of the, about that is that is that the case <laughs> I would never, <laughs> never boast in that. I mean, I, yeah. and of course, there's Bruch's Cole Nidre, and then there's you mentioned Leonard Bernstein, his Kaddish Symphony, and there's a lot of that 
um, background, Aaron Copeland's, um, et cetera, et cetera. Bernstein's Chichester Psalms. Yeah, all, that's it. All Psalms. And <laughs> phenomenal. I sang it in high school. So it means a lot to me. It's wonderful. You know, the story behind that, the the Dean of Chichester Cathedral in England um, approached Leonard Bernstein and said, um, we'd like you to write something for us. And by the way, we're great fans of West Side Story. So if if it sounded like West Side Story, we wouldn't be cranky. With you. <laughs> and he actually happened to have bits of music left over from West Side Story. So it actually is... Um, tunes from West Side Story. So the, the middle movement of Chichester Sam's, you've got those very kind of violent rhythmic moments. That was the Jets and the, the Sharks fighting with one another and so on. It's um, So that's the story behind that. Actually, th this whole discussion reminds me of something um, in Budapest. I went there when I was at uni and we got a tour of the Opera House and there's a in the, the entrance foyer to the Opera House, there's busts of composers around, around the top and when the Nazis moved into Budapest in the 1940s, they were ordered to remove Mendelssohn's bust from there because they didn't want a Jewish composer. Um, but the only problem was they didn't know which one it was. So they removed the bust that they thought looked the most Jewish. I and mean, this is stupidity of the whole time. In one, one moment, the only problem is the one that they removed was Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> so it came back to bite them on the bum. Hitler's <laughs> favorite musician. That's it. Do you, have, <laughs> do you personally have any favorite composers? So, like when you're turning off, if you ever did turn off the ABC and your family is riding on the Great Ocean Road there outside Adelaide, <laughs> to whom do you listen on your CD or MP3 player? And you don't have to mention Fanny or Felix Mendelssohn. <laughs> okay, I thought that was I thought that was part of the deal here, Bob. No, um, I, um, personally, my two favorite composers are Mahler and Shostakovich, um, for for the same reason. They're both composers who had great difficulty in their lives and expressed themselves so in such a universal way with with Mahler it's this kind of joy of of life from its lowest to its highest points and the joy of nature as well um, and those immense symphonies that seem so intimate as well and with Shostakovich it's just such powerful music all of it especially the symphonies and the the frustration he felt in Soviet times and having to deal with whatever the whims of the authorities were up to that particular day, the the terror he felt about the possibility of being deported, the 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 puzzle about how he actually what's being expressed in the music and whether a triumphant finale to Shostakovich symphony is all that meets the the ear, um, or whether he was being sarcastic. <laughs> It's it's just fantastic. It really is. Uh, Shostakovich was not Jewish, if I remember right. Well, he was Soviet, so it couldn't be anything. Well, he, but he wrote a piece from Jewish folk poems, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and and Mahler was Jewish. He was, although he did a resurrection symphony. And I, I, well, what does that tell you? Well, I think that's a. I mean, I think he was. There's various reasons for that. I mean, there's a universal feeling of overcoming all odds. It's also pandering to the massive anti-Semitism he met in Vienna. <laughs> you know, some, some say that he was like me, a Jew who had come to believe in Jesus, and that may well be. I mean, Mendelssohn certainly did. 
Let me ask, Russell, anything else you want to tell the the comprehensive global Bob's Your Uncle <laughs> podcast? I, I don't know, Bob. I, I, I mean, I, I hope that nobody thinks I'm professing to be an expert on, you know, those things about what it is to be Jewish or Christian, because it's something that is an eternal mystery, isn't it? Don't worry about yeah. that. It's Look, you you know what you know, and you speak about what you know. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just g glad to have been asked to do this, Bob. I'm glad we got to we got to in the end, and it's great to know you're listening to my show. And thank you for coming on to talk to my show to talk about being a Mendelssohn all those moons ago, whenever that was we first met. Oh, look, it's it's a joy, and and I do keep my radio tuned to ninety two point nine here in Sydney. And uh, people can listen. What's great is anybody, I've got people in the U.S. who listen to the podcast and people all over Australia. So anybody can listen to the ABC Classic um, audio. That's app. right. That's right. My parents are in London and they listen from there. So it's, it's great to be able to be heard. Thanks, my friend. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. What do you think about Shostakovich or Mahler's Resurrection Symphony or the music you're listening to, Mendelssohn's Third Symphony, the Scottish? Write me on bobmendo at aol.com or comment or even video to me on Instagram or Twitter at Bob's Your Uncle PC. I'd love to know what you think about all this. Don't forget to post a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Russell Torrance for a great two-part series. And until next week, from me, Bob Mendelson, when things seem bleak or uncertain, look up to God. He's in his heaven. And Bob's your uncle. Shalom from Sydney.